when you spend $75 million of somebody else's money, you really should put some thought to it. This is the Art Cityscape Podcast. Hi, everyone. This is the fourth episode of the Art Cityscape. Our last episode, the Springville Rumor Mill, was our most popular one yet. We had a good time dispelling and confirming some rumors, and I promise that in the future that's an episode that we'll do periodically. So as you're out and about and you see things and hear things and wonder about things, please ask us. We'd love to address those things on future editions of the Springville Rumor Mill. For today's episode, I interviewed City Administrator Troy Fitzgerald. We touched on subjects such as the city budget, the impacts of COVID-19, and anticipated rapid growth. He gives some really interesting insights that you'll want to hear. But first, Emily Larson Booth from the Springville Museum of Art joined me for a fun game involving funny and fictional city history. Hi, I'm Jack. And I'm Emily. And Emily, what's your job with the city? Um, I am the head of exhibitions and programs at the Springville Museum of Art. Cool. And what's going on with the museum? Lots of fun things. We're we are open. We have open right now the 97th annual Spring Salon, which is one of the biggest and most competitive art shows in Utah. And so, if you come, you get to see a lot of the best art that's being made in Utah today. And something exciting, maybe for Springville residents, is in June on Wednesdays at 10:30, we're starting a new program. It's going to be called Smart Connections with the Art Part Capitalized. Awesome. It's geared towards seniors and other adults in the community, and it'll be uh, we'll together we'll explore a different exhibition with a guided tour and activities each week, and so it'll be a chance for people to make friends and explore the art together. So that'll be Wednesdays at 10:30 starting in June. Awesome. So, so a couple of great things to check out. We're going to be playing a game now that I've called Headline or Head Lie. I'm going to read some headlines to you that either could be made up or they could be a real headline from a local newspaper going back decades even. So I'll read a headline and and you tell me what you think one by one. Okay, first headline, Emily, two words. It's beard time. I'm going to say that's a headline. That is a headline. It's like too weird to not be one, right? (laughs) Okay, so I'll give you a little context here. I'm interested. This is the first paragraph from 1947. The male population of Springville will be expected to go wild and woolly, beginning immediately according to plans of the Junior Chamber of Commerce 4th of July Committee. Whoa. What a committee. Who announced Wednesday that all men in town who refuse to let their beards grow will be hailed into a court and fined. <laughs> the kangaroo court is set for Saturday, May 31st. Headline number two. UFO spotted over Springville. I'm going to say headline. Headline. That's correct. I feel like I might have heard from the historical society or something if, there, if that had really happened. Oh. Yeah, I made that one up because I would be thrilled if that was a real headline. I kind of like uh, learning about UFO claims. I wonder if there are any kind of alien connections with Springville. Something Something to research. All right, number three. Noted hypnotist will perform at high school. I'm going to say that's a a headline. Headline. You got it again. You're on a roll. 
Do you want to guess a year about? I feel like hypnotists were really big in the 90s. I'm going to guess 96. This is 1973. Ahead of their time. (laughs) Internationally known hypnotist Vandermeide did a show at Springville High School. I don't have any other information. That's really cool. Yep. Next one. Couple cares for 112 cats in residence. I hope that's a headline. So I'm going to say headline. Headline. Lie. Yeah. They sound too similar, (laughs) don't they? You're You're right. right. Again. Again. And I didn't cheat. It's a lie. Honestly, it was just like, I really hope that that's not true. Okay. Me and my husband are both really allergic to cats, so it's kind of a worse nightmare to be in a house with that many cats. Okay. But we, they're very cute. We, we're not anti-cat. Okay. Next one. Butch Cassidy's Wild Bunch checks in at Valley Tavern. Mm-hmm. I feel like that could go either way, too, but I'm going to say head lie. You're right again. Well, I've never heard of the Valley Tavern, but it does sound like a business that... It, was it a business in Springville? Yeah, so, so the, the, the Johnson Kearns Hotel... That's oh, right yeah, here yeah. close was called that oh, for a brief period. I guess I just feel like every town has kind of a Butch Cassidy story or like, it seems like everyone kind of has a story, but probably like two thirds of them aren't true. Sure. Sure. In fact, there is a story that connects the Wild Bunch and Springville. Okay. There is a connection. Okay. Fun. Okay. Next one. Federal agents seize kumquat tree from home. I'll say headline because we have had a couple headlines in a row. So that's based on pattern. Okay. okay. Just based on pattern. And once again, you are correct. That's a wild one. Federal agents. Yeah, that is. That's, and it's kind of like so strange, hard to make up. Yeah, sure. <laughs> sure. This was 10 years ago. Ten, only, only 10 years only ago? Only 10 years ago. Why and did they have to seize it? it so there's probably somebody listening who knows more about this than me. But apparently there was a citrus disease going around. Oh my gosh. And like the home that had this, they bought it from a legit place. But this place had bought it from a vendor from Georgia who should not have been selling these trees because of the disease. Wow. Show us your kumquat tree, right? <laughs> Everyone freeze. <laughs> All right, last one. No pressure. Hi, kids. Three exclamation points. <laughs> it's Huck Finn Friday. Bring poles, comma, lines. Um, that also seems very specific, especially the three exclamation points, but I'll say headline. I'm not sure where it would be. It is correct. Ugh, this is a headline. Stunky. So, 1954, Yeah. kids dressed up as Huck Finn. They went to a part of Hobble Creek, and whoever caught the biggest fish won a prize. Cool, that's fun. So it's pretty cool. (laughs) Yeah, maybe that's another thing to bring back. That's what I think too. So we'll have Beard Time and Huck Huck Finn Friday. Friday. (laughs) Perfect. (laughs) All right, Emily, thanks so much. You did great. This was a lot of fun. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Thanks for having me. Okay, I'm here today with City Administrator Troy Fitzgerald. Thanks for being on the podcast, Troy. Sure. What is a City Administrator? City Administrator basically runs the day-to-day operations of the city. In my case, I report to the mayor and uh, handle what goes on around the city. 
many cities around us have a city manager. What's the difference? Uh, city manager is basically the same thing. Uh, the technical difference is a city manager reports to the city council, whereas I report to the mayor. You've been in the position for almost 15 years. What led you to become a city administrator? Hmm. I had the short answer is I was asked. I was the city attorney at the time. The city council asked if I'd be willing to step into that role. And, and uh, after a lot of soul searching, kind of agreed to that. And, and so that answer really is, is once asked, um, you know, I really believed that we could create something here where people had trust in, in this case, local government. And uh, so that's what we've sought out to accomplish. And if I have it right, it was 2006 when you became the administrator. Can you give any anecdotes or data about how much the city has changed to the present day since then? Well, immensely. I mean, I started with the city in 1998, so we go back that far. The city's totally different. But since 2006, I mean, so, so many changes. I mean, you, you think about the Civic Center, the library, the rec center, uh, all kind of coming into existence at that time and the transitioning the pool to the field house, adding park space, just the immense growth in roads and population base. Um, the city has grown in population almost 50% in that time. So it's, it's a dramatically different situation than it was in 2006. Shifting gears a little, I remember it was February 2020 and you held a meeting with some of the leaders in the city about what we would do in case there was a pandemic. We were starting to hear about the coronavirus in China. It was kind of an exercise to think about what would happen and then things became real. Can you explain some of the ways that coronavirus impacted the city over the last year and a half almost? Sure. But first, I, to me, I think that's really our job. I mean, we're to kind of look out into the future and see uh, what could impact the city. In this case, it was a, uh, an imminent threat, if you will, something that was starting to come at us. We started tracking, believe it or not, coronavirus in December uh, and started working on our plans well in advance of it reaching here. And we do the same with everything. We have uh, plans on all of our utilities and infrastructure 20 plus years out in the future to anticipate the needs of the city to make sure that our funding is in place and that we're prepared for it. So, so to us, that's really what I think the citizens are hoping we're doing on a, a basis. But I mean, specifically, how did coronavirus impact us? I mean, it's impacted everybody in the community. But but in our case, it was interesting as I talked to people around the country and what they're uh, facing. The first question I asked is, kind of, hey, you're back in the office. And I, you just kind of go, well, we never left. Um, and we were asking fire and rescue people to go into COVID homes and take care of people there. We needed to make sure that the power and the water stayed on and uh, that the roads were clear and, and that the city continued to function as it had always. And so coronavirus impacted the city greatly in terms of operation that through all of that situation and the fear and the risk and, and uh, the virus kind of coming and impacting people that everything stayed kind of as normal as possible. And when you think 
we're delivering, uh, figuring out ways to make sure our, our senior citizens that needed it were getting food and that families had, um, you know, books to read and things to make it feel normal. And even to the extent possible, trying to figure out how to open the Clyde Recreation Center uh, or do other things like that um, created just uh, intense workload of trying to keep up with uh, a situation that for all of us was changing almost daily. And I'm thinking that probably brought on a lot of questions in terms of revenues and expenses for the city. What was the budget process like last year? Yeah, our budget year starts on July 1st. So our heavy budget planning process is in the spring, right when COVID rolled in. And in fact, since we're in the middle of it again, I was looking back at some of the information. And at the time, we were looking at huge drops in sales tax and we were seeing unemployment up 2000% in kind of how is this going to happen and what's, where are we going to go with all of this and, and um, how are we going to maintain services and, so we actually prepared a year ago a number of different budgets, kind of looking at various scenarios and worked with the city council on how to make that happen. And, and in the end, the city council put in place a budget kind of between the extremes that, that we planned. And quite honestly, the, the city performed at a way much closer to our best case scenarios uh, of things. Uh, people were largely able to stay employed and, and uh, certainly with stimulus and other things, people were spending money at local stores. And, and so our revenue sources stayed relatively strong through the pandemic um, and, and it worked well. And then we've had to kind of reinsert things. I mean, as buildings opened up sooner than we anticipated, for example, you're going to have to go back in and put more money into those services and make sure they were staffed appropriately and so forth. So it's, it's been a busy year for sure. You mentioned that it's springtime usually when you begin working on the budget with the council and with um, different directors. And so you're working on it again. Why does that process take so long and why is it so important? Well, when you spend $75 million of somebody else's money, you really should put some thought to it, right? Um, And uh, the city council takes that very, very seriously. We at the city take it seriously. And what I love is is the great staff we have here know that the budget kind of is the law. It's the gospel, right? I mean, uh, we're given tasks to accomplish by city council and telling us where to head. They give us that guidance and direction. Then we go accomplish it and we do it within budget. And, and uh, once we have those ground rules set, then the budget takes a ton of importance, right? Because uh, it tells us how much we can spend and where we can spend it and for what purposes. And then we go get it done. So what are some of the budget questions that the council has grappled with this year? And what are some things the residents can look forward to? They're, they're always a, it's interesting. The budget process always, it just seems to work differently each year because different questions come up, different things happen. I mean, this year coming out of COVID and what do we do? The city is actually slated to receive uh, some more money from the federal government. What do you do with that one-time money? Um, you're only going to have it that one time, so you really don't want to create new programs or ideas that have ongoing funding repercussions. And uh, so, so it always kind of takes this life of its own. Um, currently, we've we've been grappling with uh, public safety services, and do we increase fire to 24 hours a day? Um, are we still up to date in managing 
uh, all of our infrastructure needs and staying ahead of the curve, both because of growth and due to the fact that some of our infrastructure is aging. So you have both of, of those. Uh, and quite honestly, the marketplace is moving quickly in terms of employment. Every business is having a hard time hiring people, retaining qualified employees. And so that's something that the council took a close look at as well. We are. We talked with the mayor about this. We're projecting really rapid growth for Springville in the next five to ten years. What exactly is that rapid growth going to look and feel like for residents? Man, I, th- I think that I think that depends on where you live, right? The the east side. If you live east of Main Street, there are a few places and spots where some growth could happen. But for the most part, uh, the city's kind of built out. Uh, in that area. Uh, if you're on the west side, uh, man, growth's going fast already, right? There's there's uh, construction happening everywhere and hammering and and uh, cement trucks driving all over the place. And so you have that uh, impact currently. And now we're starting to see growth pressure even farther to the west uh, across I-15. And uh, so for many citizens, there'd be very little impact for that probably because it's sitting out in fields beyond where most people typically drive. Um, so a lot of it depends on uh, where you're at. But I, th- I think also the positive thing is, is some of uh, the places fill in a little more. You'll see better connectivity through through roads and uh, infrastructure, some new parks and things like that coming online. So uh, the high service level we expect to provide will be kind of more robust in some of the growing areas. And you know, we began by talking about how much Springville has changed over the last uh, 20 years, 15 years. And is it safe to say the growth we'll see in the next five to 10 years will be even more accelerated and, and bigger than that? Yeah, in a way, I, I think uh, the early 2000s saw similar growth patterns with uh, the annexation and the growth of the, the West Fields between 400 West and 1500 West uh, on the west side of town there. Great recession slowed things down, and kind of we've seen a ramp back up coming out of that over the last several years. Could it be even bigger than that? Possibly, uh, but I, I think overall it's going to be a similar rapid growth to what we've seen effectively for the last twenty years. And are we going to be prepared for that as a city? It makes me think about things like water and electricity and having enough law enforcement and. How do we make sure that we're prepared to grow like that? Great question. And it's, it's uh, yes, we will be. Uh, we're, we're there. We have our master planning in place. The resources are either in place or the preparations for those are there. As growth happens, we'll continue to add the infrastructure necessary to keep up. Uh, when you ask about things like police officers, one of the challenges that cities face is uh, revenues trail. And what I mean by that is a lot of the money that comes to provide the services come behind the need for services. If you build a new house and you were to finish it today, the first time the city would see any property tax from that is next July, July or next November 2022. So somebody's going to live here for a year and a half before we receive any property tax from that new home. And we need police service for that. So we have to wrestle with some difficult things um, about kind of how to maintain those services as as our revenues start to flow in with that. But it's something we're used to handling, and I think we'll take care of it just fine. A final question I want to ask, and maybe I'll follow up on it, but I want to know from your perspective, because you've been doing this for a while, and 
um, seen different city councils and changes at the city. Do residents really have a say or an impact on what the city does? I think maybe sometimes people may not want to get involved because they think the city's going to make the decisions it's going to make, and I'm kind of uh, at the mercy of that. Well, absolutely, they make a difference. I mean, we're a representative government, so a lot of the decisions are made by the city council. But the city council are us, right? And I live in the city, and they represent me, and I have a voice in choosing it. So participating in elections certainly is a big part of it. And we actually see a huge drop-off in participation in elections at the local level compared to the national um, so I'd certainly encourage people to, to be involved politically and vote for their local uh, leaders because it makes a huge difference. But beyond that, because they are local leaders and they're our neighbors, you have the ability to talk to them. You have the ability to talk to me and other members of uh, our city staff that are responsible for making decisions. I think this podcast is an effort to, to reach out and say, hey, you know, Here's some information from us, but also what are you interested in hearing about? And uh, so that so that we can keep people up and have the ability to have some say. Our social media channels, uh, the City Source newsletter that comes in the bill, we're trying to communicate in part because we want to hear back from you. And in hearing back, it shapes what the outcomes are. Uh, there are also a number of volunteer positions available where you can have a very impactful opportunity, whether it's um, the Parks and Recreation Board, the Library Board, uh, the Power Board, and, and uh, other organizations we have that look very closely at city issues and have the ability to provide guidance to our city council. So uh, we provide, hopefully, a lot of ways to become involved and to shape it. You can show up at city council meetings and speak on any topic you want for a couple of minutes at the beginning. The council members are here and they listen. And they often give us direction to go figure something out or solve something when people are involved. Thanks for doing this, Troy. I appreciate your time and your service to the city. Thanks for being on the podcast. Sure, Jack. And thank you for putting this together. I'm excited to see where this goes and and, uh, have an opportunity, hopefully, to come back and answer specific questions from people out there. Okay, for an Art City update, we just invite you to check out what's going on at the CRC, Library, and Springville Museum of Art this summer. There will be tons of fun opportunities for all ages. That does it for today's episode. A huge thanks to Emily Larson Booth and Troy Fitzgerald for their time and talents. Man, Emily was incredible at discerning those headlines. I'm Jack Urquhart. This is the Art Cityscape. We'll see you next time. Do a ton of newspaper research, so I'm, I maybe should have told you that ahead of time.